All right, let's jump into it. We're in First Thessalonians chapter 5. We finished chapter 4 last week. Um, and if, you, uh, if you're like, again, Pastor, we talked about some of this stuff already. You're right, because it's a letter. And he repeats himself. And the chapters were not in there when he wrote the letter originally. So we're going to talk some more. Last week, if you remember, in uh, chapter, the end of chapter 4, we talked about the blessed hope. Right, the rapture, and and Paul kind of outlines the 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 process and the uh, the steps that happen during that. And today's sermon is called the Blessed Hope Part Two because Paul continues to talk about it. And you'll notice at the end of chapter four, right, he says, "Therefore, comfort one another with these words." At the end of the first half of this, he's going to say, "Encourage one another." We need to be built up together. But let's read it. We're in First Thessalonians chapter five. Verses 1 through 11. It reads, Now as to the times and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you, you're, you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are already doing. So number one on your note sheets there, I don't think there's a blank for number one. It's the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. Paul continues talking about this, our blessed hope, the day of the Lord. They're the same name. They're, the, they're not the same name. They're the same thing, a different name for the same thing. And he says, listen, okay, so I've just told you what's going to happen at the end of chapter 4, right? There's going to be the shout and the trumpet and then Christ will appear in the sky and everyone will be called up to him. The dead in Christ will rise first and then we will be caught up together with him and so we will be with him forever. Comfort one, each other, one another with these words. Now, and he continues, right? Now as to the times and the epoch, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you for you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. I know people, I personally, and, and I praise God for this, have never had to deal with somebody breaking into my house and stealing something. I know people that have. It's rough. You feel unsafe. You feel violated. You, you, everything's gone. And you never know when it's going to happen. Right? We'll spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on security systems and this and that just to keep things safe, to keep a thief out because you never know when the thief is going to come. It might be tonight. It might be 20 years from now. But you never know. So you've always got, and he goes on and talks about this a little later on, you've always got to be alert. You've always got to be ready. And the same thing applies to this. He says, listen, he's going to come like a thief in the night. You don't know when. You don't know what time. You don't know how. It's just going to happen. You might go to bed tonight and wake up in heaven. Now that'd be awesome. But you know what that means? Millions upon, not even millions, billions of other people miss the boat. 
we're not going to get into today whether or not somebody can get saved during the rapture. That's a, a topic for another time that takes a lot of unpacking to get into. But I tell you this much, most of them won't either way, whether they can or they can't. He comes like a thief in the night. He just steals that church away, and it's gone. Why does Paul tell them this? Right? Well, first off, it is a comfort. It's just going to happen. You don't have to be, you don't have to worry about it. it it's going to happen. But secondly, because our job as Christians, right, is to preach the gospel. If Christ is coming like a thief in the night to steal his church away, I've got to make sure there's enough, as many, not enough, as many people in that church as I can. Because I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when that thief is coming. I don't know when Christ is coming to steal it away. That's number one. Number two, and this is the, the crux of it all, be alert and sober. Be alert and sober. He goes on, right? And he, Paul, you'll, you'll notice if you read a lot of Paul's epistles, he repeats himself a lot. Paul was a lawyer. Read through Romans. It's all just a lawyer giving a, a, a speech, essentially. It can be really confusing at times. So here's what he says in the next, like, eight verses. You're not, you're no longer of this world. You're not of darkness. You are of light. Therefore, don't act like the people that are of darkness, because you're not. That's what he says in the next eight verses. He goes, listen, right? He, 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 down there he goes in verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. Now, why does he bring drunkenness into this? Yes, we know drunkenness is a sin. But, now, I have never been drunk. I have the most, the closest that I have been is wearing those drunk goggles that the police have. And they make you shoot a basketball, and they're like, you can't make a hoop when you're drunk. I sunk all of them. I can't make a shot when I can see fine, but apparently, if I'm drunk, I'm the best shooter in the game. But, right, but drunkenness, what does it do? When you're inebriated, it makes so you can't see, it makes so you can't think, you can't move right. You are completely inhibited from working and acting as you should. So he says, listen, be sober. You've got a job to do, and you've got to do it to the best of your abilities. Now, this drunkenness is not just about alcohol, although that applies, but it's about everything that a sin can be in this life. If you are distracted by sin, you are like a drunk man stumbling around. All of us have seen them. We live in a town that has numerous bars. We've all seen drunk people. They're a hindrance to themselves. They're a danger to themselves and to everybody around them. And if you are caught up in sin, you are a danger to yourself and to everyone around you. You can't be sober-minded and alert at that point. And here's the thing. You wake up the next morning and maybe you're not drunk anymore. I've never been hungover because I've never been drunk before. I did have a friend who was hungover. A tinge of me felt bad for him. Most of me didn't because he knew it was going to happen. But even the next day, you're nothing. You're, you're almost worthless because you're in so much pain and, you're, and, and your mind is still foggy and such. Paul warns, stay away from the drunkenness. He uses that alcohol as an example, as a metaphor. Because you don't know what day the thief is coming. Right? If you knew, if you knew that on March 21st at 3 p.m., Jesus was taking his church, you could act a little differently. 
I could go, okay, well, tomorrow, you know what? I can sin what I want to tomorrow because Jesus isn't coming yet. So I'll sin tomorrow, make it right, and go preach the gospel the day after. It'll be fine. It's not fine, but you might be able to rationalize that. But the fact of the matter is you don't know. So here's the thing. You might be getting drunk tonight, and Jesus decides he's coming back tonight. You might be doing whatever, and he says, I'm coming back right now. So you can't risk being drunk. You can't risk being inebriated by whatever sin you have that you just like. You can't risk it because you don't know. You've got to be alert at all times. It says don't even sleep like those, like, like those who live in darkness. I, I, love, I love Lord of the Rings. It's one of my favorite, not one of. It is my favorite book series. It is my favorite movie series. And in the third movie, Pippin, who's one of the characters is trying to steal something off of Gandalf, who's like, he's, he's the big guy, the big good guy, not the big bad guy, the big good guy. And he goes up to him, and he's sneaking up to him, and Gandalf is asleep, and when he gets over, he looks at him, and Gandalf is sleeping with his eyes open. And it causes him to stop and be like, oh, what? Now, he still steals the thing, which is a big problem in the movie. We won't get into the plot of The Lord of the Rings today. But that's how you need to be sleeping with your eyes open. Now, I'm not telling you physically sleep with your eyes open. I don't know how you do that. It wouldn't make sense to me. But, but it means when you are resting, and here's the thing, church, you need rest. I was talking to Maddie about this, what, Friday night? I think Friday night. And we're just talking about rest and that people need rest. People, and we were talking specifically about people in ministry, but it's not just people in ministry. Everybody needs rest. It's why we take a vacation, right? But here's the thing I want to tell you, church. When you take a vacation, we shut ourselves off. We shut our brains off. We shut our bodies off, and we're just coasting, and it feels great. And that's when, one of the times, you are most vulnerable to sin because your guard's not up anymore. You wake up in the morning and go, I don't need to put on the armor of God today. I'm just on vacation. It'll be fine. And then it's not fine. It might be fine for a day or two. But it's not fine. Even when you are resting, you still have to be alert. You still have to be sober-minded. Even when you're resting. So when you go on that vacation, it's okay to shut your mind off. But don't stop doing your devotional just because you're on vacation. You're not on vacation from God. You're on vacation from your job. Don't stop doing the things that you do on a regular basis anyway to keep close to God. Because the moment that you do, you're going to fall away. And you fall away and then Jesus comes. Now here's the thing. I want to point this out because it occurred to me just now. I am not saying you lose your salvation. I'm not saying because you get stuck in a sin, you lose your salvation. That's not what I believe. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. But I am saying I don't really want to get to heaven and go, hey, God, how are you? And he goes, hey, uh, I know I just called you here, but uh, why were you living in sin? Like willfully living in sin for a while here. Why weren't you fighting this? You weren't sober-minded. I'd rather me get there and go, God, I'm exhausted. And he goes, yeah, but you were alert the whole time. Good job. Now you can rest and rest easy because there's no sin here. There's no temptation here. Be alert and be sober-minded. You never know when he's coming. Now, and here's the other thing, right? We all know in Ephesians about the armor of God, 
right? I'm guessing most of us can rattle them off. I'm not going to, but I'm guessing most of us can rattle them off. And if you can, you're looking at this and going, now hold on, because the breastplate is righteousness, not faith and love. And at least the helmet is salvation, so they got that half right. Who wrote this? Oh, it's the same guy. He talks about the armor here as well, but it's slightly different. Right, That armor that's talked about in Ephesians, that has to do more with your everyday life that you put on. And we've talked about the armor way back when, and we'll talk about the armor again in the future. Each piece and what it represents and what it is for us, what it does for us. But he says, listen, even in this, you've got to put on that, breast, that breastplate of faith and love. What does a breastplate cover? The most important thing in your whole body, your heart. Now, yes, you might be able to contend the brain's the most important thing. I will contend this. You can live without your brain working. You cannot if your heart decides to stop. You'll be dead. So you protect your heart with faith and with love. With loving other people and with being loved by others. And by holding fast to this faith in Christ that he's coming. Right? We just talked about that last week. This faith that he is coming back, you hold fast to it, and it helps protect your heart when everything seems to be going wrong, when you just want to give up. It's that faith in Christ that will keep you going. Not in people. Right? Everybody likes to say, oh, my faith in humanity is restored. Well, it shouldn't be. Humanity sucks. There is no good person. I'm pretty sure the Bible doesn't say some are righteous. Yes, some. No, I'm pretty sure it says none are righteous. No, not one. So nobody's good. So don't have faith in humanity. Have faith in Christ and in him and that he's coming back for you. He's coming back. Sometime, I don't know when. It'll be like a thief in the night. And then the helmet of salvation. What does the helmet protect? Your head and your brain, which I would contend is probably the second most important thing in your body. Salvation protects your mind. When Satan attacks you with temptation, when Satan attacks you with who you used to be, when Satan attacks you with, with who you just might be right now sometimes, you stand firm in salvation. Christ saved me. I'm not perfect. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still being sanctified. We talked about that two weeks ago. But I have this salvation, and it protects me from the barbs of the evil one. And then lastly here, Number three. So number one was the day of the Lord. Number two was be alert and sober. Number three, our destiny. You have a destiny. And you know what? It wasn't for wrath. It was for obtaining salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's in verse nine. There's a lot in First Thessalonians that we haven't gone over that deals with predestination and stuff like that. We're not going to get fully into that. We will at some point. And we've gotten into it once or twice over the past uh, two years or so. But... God says, listen, you were not destined for wrath. You were destined for salvation. Now, whose wrath? His. He says, I did not destine you for my wrath. I destined you for my salvation. I decided you weren't going to have wrath. You were going to have salvation. Unpack that if you'd like to. I'd encourage you to go to Romans and Ephesians where it unpacks it way better. But I'm telling you that he's saying right here, I didn't choose wrath for you. I chose salvation. I don't know why God didn't choose wrath for me. I deserve it. I deserve his wrath every day. So do you. So does every human that has ever lived. 
but for some reason he decided to give me salvation instead. And I better share that with as many people as I can. Now, it's not up to me if they get saved or not. That's between them and God, but I better share it out. I was saved from wrath. So I better do my best to save other people too, at least to present it. And then the end. Encourage each other, one another, and build up one another just as you are already doing. Listen, he ends that section by going, listen, encourage one another with what? With the fact that Jesus is coming like a thief in the night. He's coming. And that you were not destined for wrath, but you were destined for salvation. You were destined to be saved. In that same car ride I was with Maddie, I was, she, she, asked, she was asking me some questions, and I was just getting so downhearted. Not because of her, <laughs> but because the questions she was asking were bringing back to the forefront of my mind the horrible plight of humanity and how sad and broken that makes me feel, that I'm one man crying out in the wilderness, desperately trying to present the gospel to people. And most people don't listen, and most people aren't going to accept and as I'm sitting there, we're dry, I'm driving, and I'm, oh gosh, we were quiet for like four or five minutes. And then I just said, he's coming back. And the whole atmosphere changes. When you focus on the bad, when you focus on that downheartedness, when you focus on the fact that, yes, this world is evil, yes, people are evil, yes, this whole thing, it stinks, it sucks. Why did Adam and Eve have to eat that dang apple? But they did. When you focus on that, man, it's destructive to yourself. And it's true. I'm not telling you that that's not true. It is. And we need to be upfront with that truth. But the moment you go, but you know what? Jesus is coming back. And you know what? He saved me and he wants to save others. The whole atmosphere changes. It goes from being sad and downtrodden to being joyful because he's coming back. Church, let me encourage you this morning. He did not choose you for wrath, but for salvation. And he's coming back. Just like a thief in the night. He's coming. Are you ready? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you again that we can worship you, that we can come and hear your word. God, I thank you that you're sending your son back. We don't know when. We don't know the day, the time, the hour, the year, the month. We don't know. But we know you're coming back. Father, I pray that we would be encouraged by that. And I thank you that you chose me for salvation, not wrath. I know that I deserve that wrath. I know I deserve it. I know everyone here deserves it. But I thank you that you give us salvation instead in the place of that wrath. Father, it's in the name of your son we pray. Amen.